Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this morning. We thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Thank you because of the rare privilege of knowing you. And that is what makes the difference in our life. Without your grace and mercy, we wouldn't be different from any other person in the world. You did not only save us by the life of your son. The life of your son is not just our substitute. It makes us see. It makes us know. You didn't just bring us to yourself to serve you alone. You equip us with knowledge. You, show, you showed us your mind. You made us understand what you are trying to do so that we can be privileged to participate. Father, help us that as you pursue your goals, as you pursue your visions, as you go after your target, will be men through whom your goals and ambitions will be brought to reality. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. For sometimes we've been looking at the wisdom of God. And then in previous episodes, we've been looking at the wisdom of God. And to be more particular, we've done two series on the wisdom of God. And I hope this will be the last, except the Holy Ghost will want us to still look at another area. In the previous episode, I spoke about the need for spiritual enlightenment. The need for us to be spiritually aware, to be quickened, to be enlightened, like Apostle Paul put it. To be taught the things of God. Because these things are very fundamental to how far we go in life and to how much we are able to appropriate what Christ has done for us. So that was what we shared in the first episode. And the second episode, we efforts were made to look at how God actually demonstrated his wisdom. And in, 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 in a more particular sense, we looked at what the wisdom of God is in particular. And then by that we look at 1 Corinthians. As Apostle Paul himself helped us by the grace of God to understand what the wisdom of God is. At the end of that episode, we, will, we, we were able to know by the grace of God that Christ is not just our Savior. It's God's way of doing things. It's God's scheme of achieving His goal, which is to make humanity to be freed from the oppressions and the control of the devil. So this day we want to look at the wisdom of God and our glorification. But I've chosen to title it a way bit different. So I would call 
what we are looking at this morning, the ordination of the wisdom of God. The ordination of the wisdom of God. We are going to read a few scriptures. We are going to look at a few scriptures. The first we are going to read from the book of Second Timothy. Chapter 2. And one of the reasons why I want us to see the scriptures is to reaffirm for us the intention of God. You know, if we don't understand the God we are dealing with, we begin to have a bias or a mixed feeling about God. The devil begins to question or probe our beliefs or begin to create doubt like he did in the case of Jesus Christ. Jesus was hungry and he said, turn this stone to be bread. If we don't understand the nature of God, the devil may begin to give us some offers that can ruin us. So we must understand the God we deal with. We must understand what is on his mind. We must know that salvation is God's intention for every man. Although not every man will receive it, but it is God's ordination for everybody. And one of the wisdoms of God, or one of the products of the wisdom of God, is salvation. It is grace. It is faith in the Lord Jesus. These are the products of that wisdom. The wisdom is the accomplishment of the death of Christ. What the death of Christ was able to accomplish for the, for the human race. And it's not just that what the wisdom accomplished for the human race, it also brings about certain products that man had come to benefit from. Why is God doing this? Because he had an objective in the mind. And what is that? Number one, we are his creature. He didn't just fail to one money or one day to create man. He created man with a purpose. He wants man to inhabit the earth not as a victim, but to inhabit it as a ruler. He wants man to rule with him. He wants to subjugate. He wants to extend his relationship from the, from the bodiless being to a bodied being. And that intention had not been erased. It's still sound and firm on the minds of God. So let's see God and his intention as we read in scripture. So I'm going to read a few scriptures. Even if that is all we read and there's no time to explain. I think it is worth it. The ordination of the wisdom of God. First Timothy chapter 2. No second. First Timothy chapter 2. I read from verse 1, 2, 3. Therefore I exhort you first of all the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God 
and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. That is the scriptures. Yeah, Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. He told him that our peace, our quietness, our ease and sources is affected by the lives of people around us, by the lives of the political leaders we have, by the lives of the capitalists in our nation. In other words, Paul said, look, we've got to pray for our leaders, both political, both economical, both um, industrial, both educational. Our leaders, have, our leaders have to be prayed for. Because when we pray for them, and by the grace of God, that prayer is answered in that God grants them salvation. It's going to affect our life because they will rule rightly. So in other words, God's wisdom or God's way of ensuring there is peace in the world is that man will come to know Christ. In other words, Christ is the peace of the world. But then you will see that the intention of God is that all men be saved. But men, all men are not saved because the devil is the God of this world. He's the ruler of this world. And he ruled this world by sin. He ruled this world by iniquity. He had held humanity bound in shackles and chains of sin. Sin is the bondage. Holding man bound. Holding man a slave to himself. So here we see that we've got to be freed as we begin to pray. In other words, until Christians begin to pray, the intention and the plans of God cannot be unraveled, cannot be attained, cannot be actualized, and cannot be experienced. So our quietness, our peaceable life, our godliness, our, our life of dignity or the life of dignity, all is predicated in our prayer. That's why the Christians cannot afford not to pray. If you don't pray, you may not be at peace. You may not walk in the reality, in, in the intention, in the plans, in the ordination of God. So we've been able to see by the scripture that it is God's will that all men be saved. But men, all men are not saved. There are out there millions, if not billions of people who have not come to the knowledge of Christ. In other words, who have not come to identify with Christ. Who have not come to know who Jesus is. That he is a substitute. That he is our advocate. That he, he, he is God ordained, God elected propitiation. God means of propitiation for mankind. Now let's say the second scriptures. The consequence of man rejecting God. We see Jonah. Jonah chapter 2. <coughs> Bless be God. Jonah chapter 2. 
Das ist Obadiah. Please wait for me. Okay, I'm there. I'm going to read verse 8. Okay, let me read from verse Jonas. Chapter 2, verse 8. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercies. Those who reject worthless idols forsake their own mercies. I would like to read from the NIV version. Although that is clear enough. But let's see how NIV renders it. It says, those who cling to worthless idols. I think a version, maybe King James Version says, those who follow lying vanities. Those who follow idolatry. Those who reject God. Those who have not come to identify God. Those who have not seen any sense in the wisdom of God, in God's ordination. We are looking at the ordination of God. I want to say something is ordained. It means it has been chosen. If you choose not to be part of it, you are doomed. But check it. God does not appoint Christ so that we can die. He appointed him so that we can live. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him should not perish. So God's reason for making Christ to die for us, so that we will not perish. But check it. If this love is not embraced, it's going to bring judgment. And you know when we talk like this, people tend to think we are trying to judge. They call it judgment. That is not judgment. That is the verdict of the king. And that's one of the benefits we gain by coming to Christ. We are able to see God's mind, what God is going to judge. Like Apostle Paul says, on that day, in the Romans chapter 2, that God will judge the secrets of all men by my gospel. God is going to be judging. We are not the one judge, but we declare what God will do. So Job chapter 2 verse 8. Job learned his lesson in a hard way. He would not obey the Lord. It would not want to attend to God's calling. God had provided a way of escape for the people of Nineveh. And Job wouldn't want them to receive their salvation. And he landed in the belly of the sea. Not just in the belly of the sea, but swallowed by <coughs> a whale. And in the belly of the whale, in that pains and inconvenience, he learned a lesson. Which becomes a revelation for us. And what's the revelation? Anyone who forsake God's ordination, what God had appointed. I'm going somewhere this morning. I just wanted to realize the fact that if we neglect God's provision for us, we will suffer. And God will still be just. You see, the angels are seen in the book of Revelation. When the judgment of the Lord was released upon the great Babylon that sat upon the nation, the Bible said that in a moment a destruction will come. And when the destruction came, the angels in heaven will cry and say, God, holy and just are a judgment. This is a nation. This is a kingdom that is under own. The judgment of God has come over it. It is under 
fire. And yet the angels will say, just is your judgment. You know that was before God judges a man or judges a nation, he would have given that nation a rope enough, an opportunity enough to repent, like in the case of Sodom and Gomorrah. He had given them time to repent, like the case of the people of Nineveh. And look at Nineveh. God saved Nineveh by the preaching of Jonah, but later he destroyed them. Hallelujah. You see, God does not deal with us once for all. He deals with us by the state of things, by our present reaction, our, 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 our commitment, our disposition, our responses to Him and His Word. Let's say another scripture. I just wanted to realize that you can't escape God. If any means, one, you came from him, two, you are, going, <coughs> you are going back to him, he's going to judge you. You can't escape his judgment. Neither can I. So why would I want to shy away or stay away from the presence of God or not try to abide by what he had ordained? It's going to be to my own demerits. It's going to be to my own detriment. I'm going to face the brunt of it. We can't escape it. And if we escape it, how shall we... How shall we escape the consequences of our neglect? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 23. Hebrews 2, verse 23. If we are able to do the 